name is Hannah Reeve. I'm the founder of Nature Nurtures, where we help social entrepreneurs, passionate teachers and earliest practitioners to set up their own outdoor nurseries, forest schools and outdoor projects for children. Joining me is Kristen Hammer, the founder of Nature Together, starting in the field of ornithology and continuing to a master's in curriculum and instruction. Kristen has gone on to set up Nature Together, which has grown over the last four years and now includes a nature-based preschool, parent-child classes and a beautiful shop, which in usual times hosts events as well. I really like this business model with a few enterprises that you have no doubt built up over time, Kristen. First, let's begin with the story of Nature Together's beginnings. When and where did this all start? Nature Together started in 2017. I was teaching in a traditional preschool and I knew that I wanted to teach little ones outdoors. So I started caregiver, I call it caregiver child classes, parent child classes. I have nannies and grandmas and daddies and everyone comes. Um, So I just started that outside and that grew me a following and I was able to start with those little ones and turn it into a preschool. Fantastic. Yeah, so 2017 is when we all started and it's gotten bigger each year. So I should have started as well because people will hear your accent. I need to let people know that. So we've gone stateside with this episode and you're in Mukilteo in Washington, aren't you? Yes, we're in the state of Washington. Mukilteo is on the sound, so we're right by the water. So we're lucky enough to have both the beach and also a beautiful forest right in town here. Can I just say, when I was doing the research for this, I was looking on Google and found myself on Google Maps and dropped that little person in. Oh my, and I went on a drive around Mukilteo. Beautiful. (laughs) Oh, so stunning. I'm really (laughs) pining for a holiday. Absolutely beautiful. (laughs) It's a lovely town. We fell in love with it. We moved here. It's going to be 10 years ago and just fell in love. And I told my husband, I'm like, I'm never leaving Washington. I love it here. So yeah. Where are you originally from? Rockford, Illinois is very, you know, middle of the country. Um, right on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin. So I've been told I have a Midwest accent. (laughs) But yeah, we, our heart is now in Washington. Oh, beautiful part of the world. So that's 10 years ago. So you you moved to Mukilteo, found this beautiful place. How much is that a part of the story in terms of inspiring you? Because obviously you find yourself in such a beautiful place. I had the idea for Nature Preschool for a very long time, but when we were in Illinois, we started a family and I was very much enjoying motherhood and that was my focus. But still having the idea of someday I'm going to have a nature preschool. I just always had that in mind. And then I had children and they were kind of fun to experiment with and take them outside and I saw how much they enjoyed it. But once we moved here and the amount of parks and exploring that we could do, I just started that idea for the nature preschool just wouldn't let go. Like it really grew once we got here. It lit a fire in me. Like once we moved here, I was like, I have to do something outside. I can imagine. I can see it's such an inspiring place. It looks, it's got the small town feel as well, doesn't it? That classic. Yes, it does. East Coast, it's lovely. This is 10 years ago and then you find yourself there. You started your journey, I guess, in terms of career and interest with ornithology. So that's birds, isn't it? Right. So I got my undergraduate degree in biology with a focus in ecology because all my life, like as a child, I was just very interested in the outdoors and nature and wanting to 
you know, do something for the earth. You know, when you're a child, you have dreams of, I'm going to save the earth. So I knew I wanted to do something biology related and I chose ecology. So I got my undergraduate degree. And while I was in school, I took an ornithology class and I've always loved birds. I've had pet birds. And I thought, you know what? I could study birds. Once I graduated, I started looking for bird work. So it's all field work. It's all outdoors. And, you know, I was young and (laughs) very new to the field. So I was mostly a technician and I would go around banding birds. I went to Big Sur, California, where I worked there for a summer at Big Sur Ornithology Lab. And basically I would go around trails, open up miss nets. The birds would fly in. We take them back to the lab, measure them. It was it was really fun. I also went to Lafayette, Louisiana at the National Wetland Research Center where I did, it was mostly swamp work <laughs> and wetlands. It was not focused on birds, but it was still outdoor work. And I knew I enjoyed working outside, but the research side of it did not fit my personality. It was a little bit isolating and not creative enough for me. And I had the opportunity when I was at Big Sur Ornithology Lab field group or field trips, like school groups would come in or camp groups and they would want a tour and learn about what we do. And nobody would want to do the tours. (laughs) And I'm like, I'll do it. And I had a lot of fun. It was really fun talking with the kids. I really enjoyed that part of my job. And then when I went to the National Wetland Research Center, school groups would come, you know, they would need help doing it. I'm like, you know, I'll do it. And it just, it was a really enjoyable part of my day. (laughs) And I would go back into the lab and then I'd have to sit there and like measure. And I remember one day I just, I logged on to the computer. This is while I was working, but I I said to myself, I was like, I have to do something different because the research was not working for me. And I'm like, I wonder if there's something like environmental education. I wonder if there's something where I can still teach, but be outside. So I Googled it and this was back in 2003 And there wasn't a lot of programs like now there are. It's a big trend now. You can get into environmental education. But for me, I couldn't find a lot of programs. But I toured Antioch University in New England and then Northern Illinois University. And that's where I ended up going because it was close to home. And I got a graduate assistantship. And yeah, I got a degree in curriculum and instruction, but it's focused on environmental education. And that's when I said, yes, I am determined to start a nature preschool. (laughs) See, so it was all those school groups that really, really got that education side of things. Yeah. Yeah. It gave me the education idea. But then, so while I was at NIU, I also worked at Burpee Museum of Natural History in Rockford, Illinois. There, you know, lots of school groups come and I would give tours of the museum, but it was the very little ones that I had the most fun with. And I was like, I love this age. And then that's when I started the focus on a nature preschool. And so for my, we didn't have to do a thesis, but we had to do a master's project. And my project was finding the need for a nature-based preschool in Rockford, Illinois. So, you know, and at the time there was not a lot of research out there. Now there's a ton of research (laughs) and there weren't many preschools out there. And now it's, you know, booming. It is. Have you found where you are that there are even more appearing this year? Why do you think that is? Well, I think one, the pandemic. I think the pandemic like 
made it flourish in two ways. One, people don't have any options for indoor schooling. Now it's opening up more, but I think people were really looking for things for their children to do and they felt the outdoors was safe. And two, because of the pandemic, families were spending a lot of time together outside Mm -hmm. and I think they were realizing the value of it. So then they were looking for more programs. Yeah. Okay, so let's go, let's skip forward to 2017 from your 2003 Sparks. So you decided to start with parent-child classes. So I guess the equivalent for us in the UK would be like stay-and-play sessions. We have we have those who were the parents' days. How did you get started with that? How did you find where you were going to do this? Okay, so when we moved here, I found a traditional preschool to put my children in. Such a loving place. I love all the teachers there. And all my three kids went to that preschool. And when my daughter was there, they were looking for a teacher for the, they called it mommy and me. So they needed a teacher, their two-year-old children with their parent. And I said, I would do it. So I applied and they hired me on. So I started to develop a relationship with these parents and children and realized I liked getting to know the parents with the kids. That's not for everybody. Not everyone likes to have the audience there of the parents, but I enjoyed it. And so I started to think, ooh, maybe I could do this as a beginning for nature together so that I can build a following. I don't have an assistant, so this is a way to keep it safe where I can have these kids and then parents are watching their own children. And it worked. I built the base, parents got to know me, they got to know my program, my teaching style, so I felt comfortable then the following year actually starting a preschool. It's also very clever as well because I think it's a really good way to test a market. So sort of going straight in, jumping in with having a nature preschool, where obviously there's a lot of infrastructure that that needs to be put in place and staffing. I think having these stay in play sessions so you you can test your market, but then also have a good income because you don't need those assistants. So if you can build that base to be able to then feed through into a nature preschool, which I guess naturally happened for you. Is that right? It did. Yep. Yep. And I'm still teaching those classes today in addition to the preschool going. So I'm still getting to know families. And now I'm at the point where I've had siblings come through. So that's really fun. Yeah. So I'm getting to know the whole family. (laughs) That's so wonderful when that happens because it does deepen the relationship with the family I think because it's has so much more longevity you're continuing and really getting to understand that family culture and what's important for them and actually it's so wonderful when the values align isn't it and you have that shared outdoor values and nature-based values it's really special I think so with the preschool so how did you get there so it's only a year so 2017 you were doing your parent-child classes. And then he went, how did you get to 2018? Okay. So I knew that I wanted to do the preschool. So I started advertising and I knew I needed a teacher. (laughs) That was what terrified me the most is I'm going to have to interview people. I don't know why, but I just did not want to interview people. And I happened to mention, so all the teachers at the preschool that I was working at, you know, they were asking me about it at the end of the year party. And, you know, I mentioned it. And one of the teachers, she's like, Ooh, maybe I'll come work for you. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> but then I didn't want to step on any toes. So I didn't I didn't say anything, but she messaged me later. She's like, I'm serious. You know, I'm, I'm interested in knowing more about it. And I said to my husband, I was like, oh, 
Teresa wants to work for me. Like if I could get Teresa, this could actually happen. And we sat down and explained how the nature preschool would work. She wanted to know all about it. I gave her a book to read and she came back. She's like, yes, I'd, I'd like to do this with you. And I was I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, this could really happen. And so I got Teresa on board, got a location, which is a whole other story, but I got my location. We, we work out of a community garden, which has a shelter. And then I set up registration and I was working through the city for that at that time. What does that mean? You're working through the city just for us? So I'm using a, <laughs> I'm using a public park for my classroom and I had to get approval. And because I'm profiting from it, we have a contract and I give them part of my registration fees and they're on my insurance plan. So they were handling registration. People would register through the city. I got some students. We were not full, you know, by any means. I had to can't, I wanted to be open four days a week and we dropped down to three because we didn't have enough students. And one day we only had three kids. And when I think back to that time, it was such a like a sweet little time. I had three like students, <laughs> but then, but then we grew and yeah, that, so that's how the preschool came to be like little bits and pieces just finally came into place. So Teresa was the key to getting to that next step. I always think that's, it is an important step in having somebody trusted and that you know such a it's so huge in terms of being able to make that next step because I always take my hat off to people who do this on their own because it's big it's really big undertaking as you're alluding to but then that's also interesting so where you are you have that participation with the city who get involved in that registration process so that I guess well they've got to they've got to justify earning some of your money haven't they so that's that's how they do it so tell me what, what was the book that you gave Teresa to read, by the way? Oh, um, it was Aaron Kinney's Cedar Song, The Forest Kindergarten. I saw that you're an accredited Cedar Song kindergarten teacher, aren't you, as well? I took one of her last classes before she passed away on Vashon Island. Yes, she, there was so much to learn. I can't remember if it was a three or four day training but we observed we observed the children and then we would brainstorm ideas she shared lots of books with us and she was there to just ask questions and then she let us interact with the children on our last day of training and then she gave us feedback right so do you give each of your new recruits that to read as well yeah so i give them that there's another one and i can tell you what it is later but it's about nature play you know i tell them that we like to follow the Cedar Song values, you know, of giving children that uninterrupted time in the woods. Like we are there to facilitate the learning, but not interrupt them. It's child led. But if there's a teachable moment, then that's when we step in. So, you know, I, I explain that to the teachers and they're very good about, you know, following that. But we're not truly the cedar song way it we're the nature together way like we have our own spin on things because you know we love children's literature so i'm always bringing books into the woods and we do have every once in a while we'll bring different props like scissors and so it's not truly the cedar song way but the core value is there with a nature together spin <laughs> yeah i think that's the beauty as well of early years it becomes more complicated as you get into primary and secondary or on into elementary, I guess, for you guys. Tell me the story about how you found the place that you have made home. 
How did you find it? Okay, when I had my preschool in mind, where I was doing the parent-child classes, the caregiver-child classes, it was a little bit too, that park is beautiful, but it's a little too manicured. And the way it's laid out, I didn't see enough space for our kids to explore because there are steep steps to really get to the good part of the woods. So I thought, okay, there's another part in town called the Japanese Gulch. I'm going to go scope that place out. And there were pieces of land here and there near the gulch. And I said to my husband, like, what if we bought this land? And he, I'm not a money person, but he calculated it. He's like, okay, you would have to have a hundred students and be in operation all day long. I was like, okay, we can't afford the mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) So then I saw another big open area in the gulch right by where we, we learn now. And I thought, I wonder if I could put a yurt up there. So I went down to the city and I said, you know, I have this idea. I would really like to put a yurt up. Could I speak to someone about it? They gave me a hard no. (laughs) They shut that down really fast. And their concern was, you know, someone breaking into it, you know, it's just not being safe. It's on public property, which I totally get, but it didn't stop me. So, you know, I was talking about my ideas with people and Somehow the city put me in contact with this woman named Dodie Carlson, and she's the president of the seniors. There's a group of seniors around here in Mukilteo, and she said, hey, you might want to ask gardeners if you can use their shelter. And I had never thought of that. So I looked into the garden and sure enough, the community garden is a beautiful area with lots of different beds. But up front is a covered, it's, it's basically a covered patio. And there's four tables under it. And I knew I wanted some covered space because I wanted to have lunch with the children. So I knew I needed a covered area. So I emailed the garden president and she said, sure, you can use it. You know, you're welcome to. And it was easy as that. I all of a sudden had a spot. (laughs) So we started using the little garden for our meetup. Like parents would drop them off there. They would set their lunch down and then we'd head into the woods and we'd come back and the the shelter would be our final place where we'd eat lunch. We'd talk about our time in the woods and yeah, but getting to that point, it was talking to the right people. I had a wild idea (laughs) and then it just, it slowly got more narrowed and focused in talking to the right people. That's the way, that's the way it goes. That's fantastic. It is. It's always about talking to as many people as you can. And all of a sudden you find those connections and it takes you to where you need to go. Somehow it's just the generosity of folk and finding those people who understand, who really get it. That's the challenging part of the journey, I suppose. So you didn't get your yurt dream, but you did get the gardener's shelter, which sounds perfect. It does. It sounds perfect. It is. So it is. But in the winter, we, we don't have extremely cold temperatures, but it's cold. And I looked at the temperatures of your area. I think we have similar winters. We get down into the 40s, occasionally 30s, but it's very rainy and wet, <laughs> very rainy and wet. And, you know, when you're in the forest in the rain and you come back to have lunch, the children's body temperatures would drop because they're all of a sudden seated. And also we would 
wash their hands. This is so pre-pandemic, we were bringing in hot water and washing their hands in like a bucket and rinsing in a second bucket. Um, we got by that way for hand washing, but once the pandemic hit, we couldn't wash hands in a shared bucket. <laughs> so we were using the garden sink, which is basically a hose hooked up to a sink. And in the winter, it was so cold and the children's hands were icy. They didn't want to put their hands in there and we didn't want them to eat with dirty hands, especially, you know, when the pandemic was coming. <laughs> so we decided to finally just say, okay, we have to cut out lunch because winter's coming and this just isn't going to work. And before the pandemic, what we did was we wrapped the shelter in plastic. So it had four walls and we just didn't feel comfortable doing that last winter with the virus going around. So we cut out lunch, which is sad because it was a really enjoyable part of our routine and it was a nice way to end the, the class. But we cut it out and hopefully we'll be able to bring it back and hopefully we'll have a warm spot again. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be lovely to be able to do that in the summer, wouldn't it? Getting back to those warm weathers where you could have it, lovely ventilation and cold water's not such a huge problem. So you've got Teresa on board for your nature preschool. Who else has joined you over over this time? So when I was teaching my parent-child classes, one of the mothers I really connected with, and her name is Susan, and I became good friends with her. And at one point, I thought, you know, someday I could work with Susan. And then she thought the same thing, and we brought it up, and I was like, Susan, let's work together. So she's been helping me with the shop side of things, but also she was one of my teachers, but she has a child who has a compromised immune system. So she is not teaching right now, but she's still behind the scenes. So since we've grown, she's helped me with payroll. She manages all the time cards and sends in hours to my accountant. So she handles some of the business side of it because honestly, I don't enjoy that part. I like being creative and teaching, but she is happy to take that on. So Susan's one, my friend Beth lives next door. She's one of my best friends. She helps me in the shop and also has created our website and she helps with registration. We now handle our own registration because we're, we're so big now. So she handles all that side, sends out invoices, reminders. She's amazing. And then Last fall, I recently added a new teacher and his name is Colby. And it has been such a delight to have a male teacher on for the children. It's a different experience and I think so valuable. And he's agreed to stay on this fall too. So I was thrilled when he said that. And he's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you're right. We've got a, a male practitioner as well, Charlie. He's fantastic. And he's really, he connects with children in different ways to the rest. I mean, we do that anyway. We're all individuals. But it's just, there's a different energy that arrives somehow. And he's real play specialist as well. I, I think we're very similar to you in terms of values, that child-led and that place-based as well, how important that is in using that environment that you're in and finding, you know, if there are teachable moments, then absolutely. Having Charlie join us has been a really lovely experience, I must say. I do agree. I can identify with, with how you see Colby. So you're really lucky. You've got two people there, Susan and Beth, who have taken on the behind the scenes stuff. Did you have to convince them or did they just go, look, I can see you're finding this hard. Do you need some help? It was like that because, you know, they're very good friends. <laughs> As the program was growing, I was becoming more overwhelmed. And I mean, even Teresa, they're like, anything you need, if you want to delegate, 
And I wasn't really good at that. And they've kind of helped me do that. But, um, you know, they say delegate. And I started realizing they have amazing skills and we all kind of balance each other out. And Beth is very organized. She loves spreadsheets. So she was able to, you know, set up the registration and, you know, see how many we were getting in each program. Um, and she does that for the shop side of things. And Susan is, she comes from, I think, a manager position and she has that assertiveness. And I admire that in her. And she's really good with numbers. So I just let her take on that payroll side for me. <laughs> and I can bounce you know, cost of programs off of both of them. And they give me really good input. That's good. That's amazing. That's really good. Yeah. That's really yeah. hard to find people like that. I, I find it hard. I have to say the universe, the universe has really helped me with this. Yeah. There was something bigger. Like I had to do this program and I felt it and people were placed in my life at the right moment. It didn't always feel that way. Like I interviewed someone who I thought, oh my gosh, they could be a perfect fit for the fall. And she turned it down. And, you know, I just thought it's meant to be the right person will come along. And then Colby messaged saying he wants to stay on. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, that was just a getting me ready, thinking about fall, you know, and then Colby said, I'll stay on. So things happen how they should. They do. Somehow they do. And I think that comes as well with having a really good plan. And I think you're somebody who doesn't do things by halves. You seem like if you have an idea for something, and obviously you're very creative, that you will go there. Like you've shown so much determination with this. You've put together some options. You've tried one, tried two, tried three, you know, in terms of the space that you were looking to operate in and eventually found it. It's the, it's the same with the people as well. It's talking to all of these different people. So in those years, so 2017, 18, 19, 20 pandemic hits, how has the pandemic affected your business? On the school side of things, we shut down last March because the Mukilteo public schools closed and we were just, we were following their lead and you could just sense, you know, um, the anxiety in everybody. And just to be safe, we, we shut it down and said, you know, we would keep you posted on summer programs and it just didn't feel safe. So we, we didn't continue any classes from March throughout the summer. And then we decided to come back in September and parents were ready. They were ready to let their kids come back. So we had no programming end of spring to fall, no programming. And that's where the majority of the revenue comes. There is nothing coming in. <laughs> and you still pay insurance. You still pay the fees. So once fall came and registration started picking up, it felt good again. And we had full classes, but we had parents who had signed up, but then weren't sure. And then they would drop out because once September came, some didn't feel comfortable. There was not a lot of cons consistency in the beginning, but we eventually did, you know, all of our classes were full. And then I started getting inquiries about older kids. So a lot of parents were like, if you ever have classes for older kids, because none of the kids were in school, they were doing everything online and parents were starting to feel desperate to get their kids in something. So I created a survey and I said, and this is with the help of Beth and Susan, you know, if we were to do these programs, would you be interested? And I, I said, we would offer it six to eight year olds and eight to 10 year olds. And, you know, what days would you come? How many hours would you commit to? 
what time and date would you come? So I sent out that survey and we got good reviews. <laughs> and then uh, part of it was like, would you like us to know anything else? And everyone's like, please do this on the survey. So we created these afternoon classes. They've been going well. That that actually started in September. I'm getting my, my time frame mixed up. But yeah, that started in September. And that's why I hired Colby on was to be the afternoon, the elementary age kids teacher. And I had another teacher in line, but she never started. So I took over. So I teach the morning preschool and the elementary classes in the afternoon. Right. That's really interesting because we've seen exactly the same trend here in the UK. Exactly the same for us. We were inundated with people who became desperate with, right, we want our children to be to get outside and to have some time with peers as well, spend some time with friends. So that meant that we could open up our summer program a little bit more. We were so busy. And then obviously having to balance all the guidance that was constantly coming out. So I guess it would be the same for you guys, local government guidance and then the national guidance. It just, it was, it was constant for us. Like the, we were getting updates sort of every week and are we having to make changes? So though it was busy, it was quite stressful because it takes up so much of your time and ultimately your time should be spent with the children or your time should be spent with the managing your business, depending on what your role is. But it, it worked. How did you survive for those five to six months where you didn't have any revenue? So we had had enough and it was okay. It got us through the summer. But, you know, when I was paying bills and taxes, <laughs> was seeing all those checks go, I started to get nervous, but there was still enough in there. And I still had the, the shop going. It was closed, but I still had the option of you know, online orders. But once September came around and we opened up registration in the summer, that, you know, took the load off. So it was good. Yeah. It's we very okay. stressful writing checks, seeing money going out, nothing coming in. Yes. Right. So you say that you're full now. Sorry, we are full. So we have 80 students. <laughs> I have four preschool classes. There's 12 students. Um, some come multiple days. And then I have three elementary classes with 12 students. I'm also doing my caregiver child classes as well. But yeah, we are busy and I do feel like things are less stressful, <laughs> less anxiety about the pandemic. We're in a routine. Things are flowing smoothly now. There's not a lot of change in what we have to do because of the pandemic. Um, the kids who are in it are in it. Like nobody's going to be dropping out. I am excited for the fall to have a more simpler schedule because the elementary class was added out of, you know, the need in our community. But I feel hopeful that schools will be going back and kids will have more of their regular routine. And I'm not sure if the need for older age classes will will be there in the fall i just don't know mm -hmm. so you're so you're making the most of it now while you can trying to scrape back some of that revenue that was lost which makes sense so you have a lot of people signing up for these classes although so the preschool runs four days of the week is that right yes yeah, so it's tuesday through friday 9 30 to noon okay and in the fall i would like it to be monday through friday How's your projection for that? Is that looking good? Likely? It, it does. Yes. And the way we set it up, you can sign up for one, two, three, four days. We let the parents decide. We had talked about Tuesday, Thursday class and you sign up for two. But the way that it has worked where parents kind of pick and choose what works with their schedule has been working fine. 
these three years, because I have some that sign their kids up for three days a week, some that come one. It just depends on, you know, what they want for their child. And I think I'm just going to continue that in the fall. And what age do you take from? So we advertise our preschool as three to five-year-olds, but we have taken the older twos that are potty trained, but we also say they have to have good stamina (laughs) because, you know, we walk quite a bit in the woods. It's interesting as well. So the sessions are, you're just doing mornings, so 9.30 to 12. So it's a lovely short session for these young children. Mm-hmm. And it was it was 12.30. We lessened it by a half hour because we cut out lunch. And I would love for it to be four hours. And that's what we can legally do in Washington state without being licensed. If you go over four, then you have to you know go through all the state licensing. But we found over three in the winter, the children got too cold. But someday, if I have an indoor space, it would be nice to add that extra hour. We do have one afternoon preschool class that's on Thursdays for two hours. Is that your dream to get that indoor space? It is. And I have plans. (laughs) So where I wanted to put the yurt, I found out is dedicated to the seniors of Mukilteo. So the seniors right now, they meet at our main community center here in town. And it is their dream to have their own building because most of the cities in Washington have a senior center. They have a, a, it's basically a community center where the seniors go and they meet, they have dances, they do cooking, they help the homeless, they help teens. We have people in our community that want to do good things and they don't want to use the community center anymore. They want their own building. So Dodie, who is now my friend, the senior who told me to contact the gardeners, we've been working together. I told her I would help her get the senior center going and she's going to let me have a classroom in there. And it's my dream to have intergenerational programming where the seniors help the little ones because they benefit so much from each other. So my plan would be a four-hour program and the seniors who are interested, they can sign up to come to the woods with us. They can sign up to have lunch with us. They could sign up to read a story to the kids or they could sign up to do you know, artwork. So that's far into the future. I asked Dodie realistically when she thinks the senior center would be built because they have an architect design. It's going through the government steps of getting approval and funding. You know, they only have part of the funding, but she thinks it's like a five-year plan. Like it won't happen for five years, but someday (laughs) I'll have a classroom there. And it's right there where we already learn. We could still use the garden. You know, we can still walk down to our outdoor classroom. So someday, hopefully that dream will happen. It will. Sounds like it's going to happen for sure. This is fantastic. Again, everything's unfolding with these connections that you have within your community. That's beautiful. Thanks. Really lovely. I love my town. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. (laughs) <laughs> How has it been going having those elementary age children? Have you found that that's been a big change, like in terms of dynamics and making that work in terms of the sessions? Knowing that we were going to do that, I decided to hire two teachers. One was Colby and then the other one, it just didn't work out because I didn't think that I would want to teach that age group because I just love the little ones. But when that teacher backed out, I said, OK, well, it's on me now. I'll, I'll teach with Colby I have those ages in my own home, (laughs) but I was really nervous about it for some reason, teaching the older kids. I don't know why, but I have grown to love those age groups. They're a riot. They're so funny. And the dynamic is a lot different. So they're way more independent. 
and they're very social where the little ones really look to us which is just so sweet. <laughs> but the older ones, they're really, you could tell how much they, they need the interaction with each other. And what I love about these classes is watching the friendships blossom. They laugh. They have so much fun in the woods. They're getting that uninterrupted time in the woods, but it's a lot louder, I've noticed, with the older kids. <laughs> and, you know, it, there's a much bigger footprint that we cover when we're out in the woods. But I just, I see the value in it. I really do. Now having taught, I mean, almost the whole year with them, it's been great. But I was hesitant because it was not familiar territory, but now I love it. So your five-year plan, and it's going to have this indoor classroom space, you're going to be heading into licensing um, territory, aren't you? How do you feel about that? That, I don't know. I think if I keep it under four hours, uh-huh. I think I can get... Why? Uh-huh. That's your preference. <laughs> but again, I'm gonna have that. But I'm gonna have to look into it. I'm not against getting licensed. It, it gives you more validity, you know, to your program. But the thought of it again is that paperwork research side of things that weighs me down. Mm-hmm. I would definitely need some help in doing it. But it, I see value in it. But you can also see I, I try to avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> I understand <laughs> absolutely. So tell me about the shop. Where did the idea for the shop come from? Well, first, let's introduce the shop. What's the shop called and what does it have? So the shop is also called Nature Together. It's Nature Together Shop. So in addition to me wanting my own nature preschool, I also thought I love little boutique shops. I've always enjoyed going into them and, you know, finding local stuff. And I decorate my house with nature. (laughs) I love reading about nature. I love nature on my clothing. And so I thought, I enjoy this stuff. Why don't I share, you know, what I enjoy doing with, you know, my town? And also in doing the caregiver child classes, a lot of the parents would ask me where I'd get my stories that I would share because, you know, it's kind of like a glorified story time. So they liked my stories. I also use a lot of puppets and, you know, educational tools that are nature themed and they would ask about them. And so I thought, here's my way where I can share this with, you know, my town. I was working in a little boutique shop here in town. It was one of my favorite stores and I wanted to work there to kind of learn the business. And also I got a discount. (laughs) She one day told me, she's like, I think I'm going to close. And she knew that I had a dream of having my own shop. And I said, are you serious? And she goes, yeah. She's like, do you want me to talk to the landlord? And I was like, please. Yes. And so I went home and told my husband. And before she told me that I was looking at retail spaces around town and retail space in Mukilteo is expensive. And my husband says, we just can't do it. You know, it's a great dream, but we can't do it yet. And when I came home and told him that the shop was going to be available, he's like, okay, now's the time. So we went to a vendor show to kind of see how much product would cost. And we estimated on how much it would cost to fill a store. And that's when I got, you know, Beth and Susan to join me. And Teresa was very interested and Teresa was all in. So Together, we've gone to vendor shows and we've shopped. And what we offer are, like, I have nature photography from someone who works at a local Audubon. I have beautiful greeting cards. I have artwork on the walls, you know, watercolor from a local artist. I have some woodcut sign, laser cut wood signs from local artists that say like Pacific Northwest. We sell air plants, caps, t-shirts. I sell all like the children's literature that I love that's focused on nature, bird bath. I mean, you name it. 
uh, field guides. It's fun. <laughs> it's stuff that I love. You know, I have it in the shop for others to enjoy. That's fantastic. I think you're not alone in this dream. I think a lot of people in this sector have this because I've seen other people sort of trying it out and seeing how to do it, but it, it doesn't always work out because obviously you've got to put in a bit of capital to actually get that place started. So how very exciting, living all your dreams. It's wonderful. <laughs> it is really fun. You, you obviously have a very supportive husband. He is my biggest fan <laughs> and I'm his. And he often listens to my ideas. I know he like lets me talk and then he kind of brings me down to reality. But he always listens and he says, you have great ideas. <laughs> He's like, you know, that might work one day. But yeah, he keeps me grounded. We all need people like that in our lives. Who else has really seen you through getting this to the point that it's at? Obviously, you've got Teresa and Susan and Beth and your husband. Is there anyone else? I mean, you know, I've, I've talked to Dodie. Oh, Dodie's one of my best customers. The community, Muckleteo community, really stepped up over Christmas time. And you really felt that people were trying to shop local and the shop did amazing in December. So I have wonderful community support. Beth and Susan and Teresa were there from the beginning. My husband was there, you know, I called my parents when I was panicking. I have two best friends who I would call crying. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, but no, I have wonderful people in my lives that, you know, keep me going. And uh, my in-laws were also extremely supportive and came out to help us when, you know, we were trying to get the shop going. You did it. You're doing it. Did it. And we've had to change and adapt along the way. It's still, we're still so new. You know, it's working. I imagine it's a wonderful place to get some uh, Christmas presents. So I guess... Yeah, uh, we try. Yeah. Oh, well, I bet <laughs> December is big, 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 big there. I've been to small independent shops in New England, and I imagine yours is quite similar. They're really lovely special places. We have, I mean, obviously we have them here in the UK as well, and I, I, I love an indie shop. I really do. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Part of my shop, when we started there, like when you enter, there's the counter and there's one side, there's two sides on, on either side of the counter. And when we started, we had a classroom side and a shop side. So my dream was to have story times in the shop. And we were doing that. But then when the pandemic hit, we decided that we would no longer do that. We would turn this into retail space. So that that's changed too. And we want to do more book clubs where I really believe in like the education side of things with retail where, you know, we can give them field guides and encourage people to go outside. And, you know, here's a good hike that's really close and a really good book about right now we're reading a, a book from a local author called Nature Obscura. And it's all about the floral, flora and fauna of our area. So we're hosting a book club. So a big part of our shop is, you know, the education side of things and yeah, getting people outside. And rooted in the place that you're in, so learning about these local varieties and, and how wonderful that is. So hopefully you'll get back to doing those events and having people in the shop for those community type events. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I'm sure you will. It's a strange world we're living in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. We hope to have a Mother's Day event, but we're going to do, so where the shop is located, it's a little, a little block. It's called Lincoln Square. So there's a coffee shop next to us. There's a chocolate shop on the other side. And then there's a 
a pizza place and there's a little patio with the coffee shop and I know the owner and she's going to let us use that space for Mother's Day to get, you know, the moms in where they could shop, but we're also going to let them arrange their own flowers and we're going to have a little pop-up plant stand. And they could eat pizza and eat chocolate and drink coffee. And we feel like we can do it safely because we can do the majority of it outside and then limit the amount of guests inside. Sounds really good. But one day it would be nice not to have those limitations. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We'll get back to normal one day. Well, we'll have our new path ahead of us, I'm sure. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely fantastic to hear your story and really good to have you as our first guest from the States. So well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's an honor. <laughs> I'm so glad I was able to meet you and do this. I really enjoyed it. 